Hello and good morning. Would you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 11? I'll be reading verses 1 through 11. Uh, And I ask you to follow along as I read. But before we get there, I just want to refresh you. Remember, were you challenged last week by uh, the topic, uh, the human trafficking issue, and all those things about how God has called us to be light in a very dark world? It's almost overwhelming. We know this stuff is going on. There's a lot of questions. God, where do we plug in? How can we help people like that? What's the spirit of God telling us? We are called to be God's people, called to give the hope of Christ's salvation. We're called to bring a taste of God's deliverance to people around us. And it's not just people that are like obviously trapped in something really dark and evil. It's people that we are surrounded by that have pretty, appearing on the surface, fairly clean lives. And yet we know they're lost, they need hope, they're discouraged, they're trapped by the hurts of sin's curse. And sometimes it just seems like the world is going so crazy that we just want to pull back, we just want to hide, we just don't know what to do. And Jesus said, just remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So the question this morning is, how do we get in step with God to spirit? Are we in step with God to spirit? And I find a lot of hope in 1 Samuel about getting in step with God. And so let's read verses 1 through 11 of 1 Samuel chapter 11, And uh, we'll see what God has for us together today. But before we do that, one more before, let's pray. Father and God, you have called us. Your people, and you've enabled us to serve you and to bring your glory to this world that needs your light. Lord, you brought your light into our lives, and we want that light to shine forth from us whenever we are here, gathered here together, serving, whenever we're scattered, wherever we are, Lord, help us. Teach us this morning, we pray, for your honor and glory, so that your name, so that people can get a taste of your great deliverance through Christ, our sin bearer, our Savior, our coming King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Samuel 11, beginning at verse 1. Then Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh-Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a treaty with us, and we will serve you. But Nahash the Ammonite said to them, On this condition I will make a treaty with you, that I gouge out all your right eyes, and thus bring disgrace on all Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days respite that we may send messengers through all the territory of Israel. Then, if there is no one to save us, we will give ourselves up to you. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, they reported the matter to the ears of the people, and all the people wept aloud. Now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen, and Saul said, What is wrong with the people that they are weeping? So they told him the news of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. 
He took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hand of the messenger, saying, Whoever does not come after Saul and Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. Then the dread of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. Then he mustered them at Bezek. The people of Israel were 300,000 and the men of Judah 30,000. And they said to the messengers who had come, Thus shall you say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow by the time the sun is hot, you shall have salvation. When the messengers came and told the men of Jabesh, they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will give ourselves to you and you may do to us whatever seems good to you. And the next day Saul put the people in three companies and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. Does thinking about doing God's will bring joy to your mind and to your heart? I want you to do something for me. I want you to look at the person next to you. It could be a spouse. It could be a family member, a child. It could be a friend. It could be a total stranger. But I want you to go ahead. You, I'm allowed. Look at those people next to you. And I want you to think, what is God's will for our interactions together today? What would bring joy to God? Now I want you to do something even more daring. I got in trouble for doing this when I was a little kid. Turn around and look at the people behind you. <laughs> yeah, look at them and smile, smile, yeah. Hey, and I want you to look at the people on the other side of the aisle. You know those people that always sit over there and you never... Yeah. Look at them and smile at them, wave at them if you want to, yeah. What good desires would God have for us to do together today in his will? What would be something that God would have us, how we interact together right here today that would please him and bring him joy? And what does God have for us to do together when we scatter, but yet we're working together because you go to your place and I go to my place and there's stuff we're dealing with, but yet we can do it together as we share our needs and pray and our concern for one another. What does God have for us to do? Does that bring joy to your heart when you think about that stuff or does it just wear us out? Walter Knight said, I don't know who this guy is, but it's a great st statement. Joy is the flag that flies over the castle of our hearts, announcing that the king is in residence today. Joy is the winsome magnet that draws people in because it's the one thing they do not have. We're chosen for joy. But being in step with God does not mean everything he wants me to do is joyful or joy-filled. Leading the soldiers to deliver the people of Jabesh-Gilead does not look like a joyful task to me, and yet that's exactly what God wanted Saul and the other tribes of Israel to do, to go deliver people, their brothers and sisters who were in need, even though they were on the other side of the river, they chose to live way over there. We have our own problems over here with the Philistines. 
But that was God's will for them to go. Well, Jesus going to the cross was going to be torturous. And yet, he happily, joyfully, it says, well, happily might be the wrong word. But he joyfully went there because he knew the glory it would bring to God the Father. He knew the joy and the glory it would bring for his people if he sacrificed himself. So he was happy to do the tough thing for the glorious thing. It brought him joy. Joy. I'm chosen by the King of Kings. I'm loved by the Lord of Lords. I'm given a high position as a daughter or a son of God, and it can't be taken away if I've entrusted my life to him. He's my savior. He gives me true life, this Jesus, and he gives me true purpose. My king died for me, and he's raised to life for me. He's coming back for me. That is joy. And in the meantime, he asked you and me to serve him in joy, to be in step with him. So let's get going, right? When we are in step with God, from 1 Samuel, I'm looking at chapter 10, because I had to skip that a couple weeks ago. We see God graciously working. Do you remember the people desired a king, but their motives weren't pure? It was God's plan. It was, it was prophetic that God was going to have a king over Israel. Ultimately, Jesus is that king. But in between, there was going to be uh, people, fully human people like Saul and David and other kings that he had planned for the people. So it wasn't out, but they're mo- out of God's will totally, but their motives were wrong. They wanted to be like the other nations. But God's grace in the midst of that kind of settling for second best, God's people settling for second best, God's grace was poured out on his people. In chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head, that is Saul, and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. Called to be deliverer. God was gracious. His stewardship for Saul was to deliver his people from the Philistines. What happens when we turn from God's better plans to our own plans? Let me give you a downer of a thought. How many times have we personally, how many times as a congregation, Have we ignored God's counsel, his word to us, like Israel did for a king, and try to fix our stuff in worldly wisdom? I give up. Too many times to ponder. But let me give you an uplifting thought. How many times has God graciously intervened and carried me through my troubles, through those times when I acted impulsively on my own wisdom and not listening to his counsel. How many times has God's grace carried us? Do you see it in your life? Would you take a moment right now, I give you permission to zone out for a 
few seconds. You don't have to listen to me. And thank God right now for the times you know he's carried you. Do it. And let's think about how many times God has carried us through as a congregation, as a people of God, wherever we've been. You know, I've been here and there with the people of God in all kinds of different locations and places and only in these United States. But God has carried us through. Otherwise, we would fall if God hadn't carried us through. And he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, and we should thank him. Oh, God. Thank you, Lord, for being so gracious to us. And what do I just want to, we need to move on, (laughs) but let's be less self-dependent and more God-dependent. Less self-dependent, more God-dependent. Let's get serious about recognizing God's grace at work and allowing God to move us to get in line with his will. When we're in step with God, we're going to look back on our lives. When we're in step with God, the Spirit, we're going to see how God is graciously working, and we're going to be grateful. We're going to remind ourselves how he's been so that that encourages us to remain more faithful to him. And secondly, when we're in step with God, we will obey his counsel. Look at chapter 10. I want you to turn there if your Bibles are open. I hope they're turned on or open still to chapter 10. Look at verse 9. God had anointed Saul as king through Samuel, so it was obviously God's will. And then uh, Samuel said three things were going to happen to Saul. And in verse 9 it says, after Samuel was done talking to, to, to Saul... When he turned, that is Saul, when Saul turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. Stop. God's grace at work. That literally means when Saul turned his shoulder, it was like he had made the decision. I'm going to become king. I'm going to do what God's appointed me to do. He had been kind of wrestling with it. He wasn't sure he was the guy to do it. But now he's like, he turned his shoulder. He had made the decision. No turning back. You know the song. I have decided to follow Jesus. How's it go? Say it with me. No turning back. No turning back. Wow. Three signs were fulfilled. You can read about it in chapter 10. Later on today, if you want, maybe you've already read it. Two men at Rachel's tomb were going to meet him and confirm that the donkeys he was looking for, his father's donkeys, were found. Three men going up to Bethel to worship God are going to give him two loaves of bread. They did that. He met prophets coming down from the high places, and the Spirit of God came on Saul, and it just overpowered him, and he began to prophesy. He had never been like that before. People said, what's going on? Saul, is he one of the prophets now? He was chosen by Lot a little bit later on in the chapter to be king, chapter to be king. This was a public event. This was for everyone to see. So he was God's man. So when we're in step with God, we're going to obey his counsel. We're going to follow through. We're going to see God go to work. And when God's will is confirmed and clear, do not hesitate to follow it. Again, back in chapter 10, it says, Samuel speaking to Saul, then the spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And when these signs meet you, 
Do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. What are you going to do when Jesus says, get out of the boat and walk on water? When God's command is clear, what are you going to do? Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Young boy got permission to drive the tractor to plow the field for the first time. He was excited. And his dad said, just do one thing when you're plowing. Keep your eye on an object so you draw a straight, plow a straight furrow. His dad left, let him go to it. Dad came back an hour or two later, and the furrows were going all over the place. And he said, son, what have you done? I told you to get your eye. He said, well, I was looking at that cow. (laughs) Cows move. (laughs) Wrong object. That's why we're told to fix or to keep our eyes on Jesus, the unmovable God, and follow. Do you ever wish God would confirm for you his will like he did for Saul? Like, give me a sign, Lord, give me a sign. We have signs, people. We have the spirit of God living in us. We have the word of God that's clear. We have godly counsel from other brothers and sisters. We have so much to guide us. When we're in step with God, We will obey God, and we will be able to just do what you know God, the Spirit, what God wants you to do. Whatever you find to do, do it. When we're in step with God, the natural is superseded by the Spirit. I already read those verses in chapter 10. The Spirit of God transformed Saul. It made him a different man. And in the Old Testament, I don't want to take too much time with this, the the, the power and presence of the Spirit seem to be a little more fluid on God's people coming and going. But I can tell you one thing that's consistent, constant. Obedience is key. It was for them, saints back then, and it's like that for us now. When we obey God, we can be filled with the Spirit of God and, and controlled by the Spirit of God. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Jesus told the disciples just before he ascended to heaven, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. For God gave us not a spirit. The spirit of Christ is not a spirit that's fearful, or, but of power and love and, self con- and has self-control, Paul told Timothy. By believing in Jesus Christ, you have... If you've believed in Christ as your savior from sin, if you believed he's died for your sin and rose again from the dead, then the spirit of God indwells you. First, excuse me, not first, but Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, 
were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We are sealed with the Spirit. When you believed, you received the Spirit of God. He indwelt you. But in dwelling, the presence of the Spirit is, not, is different from being filled with the Spirit. A little bit later on in the letter to the Ephesians, Paul said this, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Why would I grieve or what grieves the Holy Spirit? Disobedience, going my own way, ignoring God's word. Paul gives a list of things. In chapter 5, he said, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled or controlled by the Spirit of God. It's not an automatic thing to be controlled or filled with the Spirit of God. It has to do with obedience. It's not a one-time event. It's an ongoing thing. It's a daily thing. It's an hourly thing. It's surrendering to God. It's being with Christ. Regularly, staying connected to the vine so that we have his life throwing through us. I like what Paul said in the letter to the Galatians, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Am I in step with the Spirit? Hmm, I think that's where I got my sermon title from. I'm in step with the Spirit when I have Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, evidence. You like to think that we're filled with the Spirit all the time. But just because I was filled with the Spirit yesterday doesn't mean I'm filled with the Spirit today. It's a constant surrendering to God. When we're abiding with Christ, then we will be in step with the Spirit, and we will see God's supernatural power, the Spirit of God, when we're praying and talking and listening to God and reading his word and filling our minds with it more and more. Then we will begin to surrender, and we'll see God's supernatural power beginning to change us so we're not as angry as we used to be. We react more patiently than we used to because it's not us, but it's God living in us. God's word is counsel etc. We are in step with God when God's people are united in purpose. The end of chapter 10, verses 24 through 27. Let's read those verses. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, long live the king. Then Samuel told the people the rights and duties of the kingship, and he wrote them in a book and laid it before the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his own home. And Saul went out to his home at Gibeah, and with him went men of valor whose hearts God had touched. I love that. The Spirit of God had come on Saul. There had been a public announcement. It was obvious Saul was to be king. And the people came and they united and they shouted together, long live the king, and and Samuel sent them home. But there were these men, men of valor, because Saul wasn't going to be able to do this on his own. Men of valor 
God touched their hearts and they followed Saul. That is God's grace at work, helping his people. Saul was the guy, it was clear. And those who were in tune with the Spirit supported Saul. But look at verse 27. But some worthless fellows, the NIV, the New International Version, says troublemakers, I call them naysayers. But some of the worthless fellows said, how can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present. But he, that is Saul, held his peace. Worthless fellows. Same word worthless used of Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, who were worthless priests at the tabernacle. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, same word used worthless of men who would lead the Israelites, who would come and lead the Israelites astray to go after foreign gods, idols, false gods, rather than following the true God, leading people away from God. So these men were worthless fellows. For the record, naysayers aren't always wrong. Stop. No. Slow down. We need that. God's kind of famous for saying some do nots. But these men were obviously, well, God says they were troublemakers, He said they were worthless. He knows their hearts. They were obviously going against God's known will. Be honest. Do you think you would have been ready to surrender to Saul's leadership? Naturally inclined to say, yeah, he's got to be the guy. Or would you doubt? How about our situation in your life? Are you really ready to trust God? Are we, as a congregation, ready to trust God? Are we not willing to do what God wants us to do clearly? What fears would drive our inaction? What are we unwilling to let go of in order to receive God's better? Watch out for people who are always resisting obeying God's clear voice out of fear or out of lack of faith in God. But maybe more important, don't let yourself become a naysayer. Ask God to keep your heart pure. Ask him to keep it soft. Ask him to guard your heart from ungodly attitudes, from just wanting it my way. Ask God to help it not be prideful. When God the Spirit unites hearts, the walls of Jericho fall. When God unites hearts, We do things like they did in the young church in the book of Acts because God the Spirit is leading us. Even though we may not know where in the world it's going, it's not clear. And yet God's leading. 
we can dare follow him when it's clear. Think about how God's moving us forward. Yes, us, right here today. And if you're doubting God is not moving us forward, then we need to pull back and we need to get our hearts united together because God is wanting to move us forward. Are we in step with him and believe that he wants to take us there? When God's will is clear, we have to turn our shoulder, turn our back and say, I'm going and I'm not turning back. What is it God would have us to do together? When we are in step with God, we will pursue God's will passionately. Chapter 11, we read these verses, but again, looking at verses 6 and 8. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul, second time it says that, happened in chapter 10, now again in chapter 11. The Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. And he cut the oxes into pieces, and he said, are you with me? Are you with me? I'm your king. God's made it clear I'm your king. And Samuel, it's Saul and Samuel together. We're going to move forward. Are you with me? And there was a crisis testing their faith. The Ammonites were pressing in on the east, from the east. The Philistines were pressing in on the west. And it's like, what are we going to do? No wonder the people wanted a king to fight for them. It's like they were in trouble. And God provided a king that they needed. Now, there's no half-hearted way to do God's will. But Lord knows we tried all the time. When God's will becomes routine and we're stuck in a rut, that's the way we do things here. We may want to double-check to make sure our rut is not our will rather than God's. God's way, God's leading is never going to be totally easy. And you know, sometimes the rut of life, the routines of your life, is God's will. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. The rut of being kind, the rut of being patient, the rut rut of studying his word, the, the rut of being faithful and a good neighbor, faithful to our marriages, providing for our children spiritually and materially. These are all really good ruts. There is joy when we passionately pursue God's will and surround ourselves with others who are passionate about it too. When I was in elementary school, that's a couple years ago now, I was an okay student, but I was really passionate about recess. When I was in middle school, I was an okay student, but I was really passionate about phys ed. It was like a break from the rest of that stuff. When I was in high school, You know, this isn't new stuff now, but we went to this block thing. So, like, you had gym or swimming every day for 12 weeks. I just remember this. It's so clear in my head. It's like we were, it was volleyball week. And I got so frustrated because, you know, I kind of 
I was competitive and I was a little bit athletic and I kind of measured people's worth by their athleticism. That was a bad thing, okay? But I was young. But it was so frustrating to be playing volleyball with these guys that just weren't passionate about volleyball. And I was passionate about volleyball. But you know what was great about my phys ed teacher? He was watching us the first couple days. And then I got chosen. He picked 11 guys. And he joined us. And we played six-on-six six volleyball for two days. And I just remember, I don't know if I won or lost. It doesn't matter. The games were just great. We were passionate about it. Passionate about just having fun and doing well. Hey, you know, the Christian life is not a volleyball game. But it's more important than volleyball. So let's be passionate about playing or working together in the kingdom of God because it'll last for all eternity. Get together with other people who want to do it well, who will push you on to being better for Christ, closer to Christ, nearer to Christ, abiding with Christ, because we all need somebody to come alongside us and to help us get there. We have Ammonites to face. Maybe some of you are facing an Ammonite at work or in the school, you know, some bully coming in and saying, you don't do this, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to make it rough on you, I'm going to shame you. And it's like God wants to lift up his people to bring glory to his name. When we are in step with God, we will display godly character. Look at verses 12 and 13. Then the people said to Samuel, after they had won the great battle, we read those verses at the beginning of our time together here, or my time this morning. Then the people said to Samuel, who is this that said, shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation to Israel. What a great quality. You know, we know Saul, you know the story, a lot of you do, that Saul's not going to be such a great king in just a few, a little bit later on in the story. But right now, he's displaying Christ-like character, godly character. He held his peace earlier. He didn't say a word when those men had said something about him. Who's this guy leading us? I'd like to think he was just thinking, you know, why should they follow me? Let me prove myself. Gracious words. Don't have time to look at it, but sometime if you're interested, read Deuteronomy 17, the qualifications for that God had for the kings. And then read the qualifications that God has for leaders in the church, elders, deacons. There's a lot of different stuff, but there's some common things like being humble about not loving money, about being faithful husbands, about having passions under control, about their mind and heart being filled with the word of God. It's really kind of cool. It just shows me that the same God who wrote the Old Testament wrote the New Testament. Anyway, Christ was on display through Saul, and Christ should be on display by us. Can we just admit that we muddle through life and we're not sure where God wants to take us as a congregation? We don't even know how to live the hope of Jesus' gospel in our community as well as we should, but we want to. 
We want to bear fruit for Christ's glory. And the people that humble themselves and turn away from their pride and ask God for help will have him answer. Maybe we're more prepared now to pray and to fast and surrender than we were a year ago. What do you think? When we are in step with God, we celebrate God's deliverance. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord. There they sacrificed peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. The Lord was honored. Saul obeyed. Saul was honored. They reinstated him together, united together. He's our guy. This is God's will we're moving together, and everyone was rejoicing. The tough work was done. Jabesh, Jabesh Gilead was, was delivered. They were worshiping God in joy. Okay. Go ahead, look at each other again. <laughs> Go ahead, turn around, look at those people and smile. We are the body of Christ known as Grace Chapel. There's a bigger body all around us of God's people. But here we are. And we want to follow Christ. We want to bring him glory together. Because our God's for us. And he wants to move us. He wants us to be in step with him. I would just challenge us to ponder what it is that God would have us do, difficult or not, so that others can taste and see the hope and deliverance that the ultimate King, Jesus Christ, wants to give them. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. I'm filled with hope because of my God. Let's pray. Father and God, we ask you today to shape us and to mold us and to move us Guide our hearts to be in step with you. Remove what would be in the way and cleanse us. Reveal to us. Help us to seek you, Lord, we pray. You're a great God and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.